Well, welcome to all of you here this morning. It's so good to see you. And uh, if you're just joining us today, or if you've just been catching up with us in the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a series here called Connected. And this is really just a, a time to kind of focus on our vision, our mission, our values as a church, why we do what we do, and then also kind of reach towards some goals as a community for the year ahead. And so we're going to start off this week, just like we did last week, with a bit of a pop quiz. So um, I'd say we got like a C last week, so I think we can do better here. Um, and again, if you're a newcomer, there's no, no pressure here. I'll be actually impressed if you know any of this, but... Let's start out with our vision. What's, what's our vision as a church? Hey, I'll give us a solid B plus on that one, yeah. Uh, we, our vision is that we are going to be a place to connect. And what we really mean by that is uh, through connect is relationships. Understanding that the most important thing we can pursue in this life is relationships. Because actually relationships are the only thing that you bring with you to heaven. And the most important relationship is, is your relationship with God, of course. So that brings us to our mission, kind of talking about the three kinds of relationships that we pursue as a church. Our mission is to first, connect with God. Good. Second, connect with others. And third, I'm going to give us an A plus on that one. That was, that was really good. So. Third one is going to be a little more tricky, and that's where I'm actually just going to give us the, the answers here, because we have nine core values that really drive our church. And you see that on the bottom. These are the things that are kind of the bedrock of our community, and the, the things that we're really devoted to. And in, in no particular order here, our values are prayer, worship, and biblical foundation. And those are all crucial in your relationship with God as you connect with him. Then we have uh, fellowship, discipleship, and Christian unity, which are focused on our relationship with each other as believers. And then uh, our third set of values are Christian service, local outreach, and global missions. And that really focuses on our relationships with those outside of the church, those who don't know Jesus. And so last week we talked about Christian service And really in the importance of just kind of doing what God has gifted and equipped you to do, wherever that might be, whether in the church or outside of the church. Uh, And this week we're going to be starting a new focus for the next three weeks uh, as we're kind of combining local outreach and global missions and and really melding it into the, the, the overarching topic, which is evangelism and sharing the good news of Jesus with with those around you, both locally and, and, and across the world. But before we do that, I want to kind of talk about our goals. We've been, we've been talking about these goals through the weeks, and, and the first goal is kind of more of a personal challenge than a goal, because we're not tracking this, but we're just challenging you regularly to give God 10 minutes a day in uh, Bible reading and in prayer. And, and we find this to be one of the most important part of a believer's life as, as you connect with God, is that you're regularly coming to him in prayer. And just 10 minutes a day, in uh, in Bible reading is is really going to make a huge difference. That's that's going to get you through most of the Bible in a year, and so we encourage you to do that. And in a few weeks, I have some uh, people who have been talking to me about taking this challenge on, and that they've been going on a Bible reading plan, and it's it's really impacting their lives in in a cool way. So I I told uh, one person in particular, once you get to sixty days in a row. We're going to invite you up to the front to talk about that. Um, so just know if I'm challenging you with this, I'm not going to make you talk in front of people. Uh, but, it's, but I think it will be a cool, cool story to hear how that's working. The second goal is really focused on connecting with each other. 
and that is uh, just joining some sort of group or ministry that gets you building relationships with others. And that comes through a variety of ways, uh, whether it's Bible studies or life groups or connections hour or youth group, whatever it is. This, again, is kind of a loose goal that we'd be tracking internally, but we, we encourage you uh, to be involved in, in those connection groups. And the last one is the one we're really going to hone in on today and talk about for the next at least three weeks in a row, but be talking about regularly throughout the year, which is kind of the big goal that will challenge all of you that we're going to be holding, holding ourselves accountable to uh, throughout the year, which is to reach 200 people with the gospel of Christ and just sharing Jesus with people. And, and I've been asked some questions like, hey, I shared Jesus in this way. Does this count? And you know, I didn't really say this one thing. Does that count? And I'll tell you right now, we're not going to get too legalistic about this, about what counts and what doesn't. Uh, sharing Jesus with people in any way counts. Okay, Tell, Telling people about Jesus is what, what counts here. And so we, we want and, and to challenge every single one of you to be thinking about at least one person in the year 2023, a friend, a family member, a, a co-worker, to tell them everything you know about Jesus, or at least what they need to know about Jesus, and, and watch that just kind of change their lives. And so what we are going to do to kind of track this is have you tell us about it. And we have now live on our website, uh, and we have some printed forms in the back if you would rather handwrite it. A really simple submission form of which there's only one requirement, and that is to the question, uh, I shared the good news of Jesus with someone, to which the only option is yes. <laughs> and that's all that's required on this form, okay? Because if you want to be kept completely anonymous, you don't want your name shared, you don't want that story shared, that's not the most important thing to us, because this is really between you and God that you can, you can fill out this form. And then that would be one of those um, interactions that's going to be working towards our goal. So we're really relying on you to kind of submit this, not for anyone to receive any kind of glory or fame or attention, but just so we know if we're, if we're tracking towards that goal or not. So submit this form. <clears throat> you can see that on our website, uh, mpcommunitychurch.org slash reach 200. Or it's just right there on the homepage uh, or you can just grab the paper form in the back, which will be available all year. But with that, I do encourage you, uh, if you want to share the story, please do. Uh, because that is, is such a huge encouragement to the rest of us to be hearing that. And you can have the opportunity then, if, if you want someone else to share your story, like me or, or, or someone else here on a Sunday morning, or if you want to share your story yourself, these are the things that are going to encourage and inspire us as a community that we see everybody kind of doing their part in it. So this is where the rubber is really meeting the road with this big, challenging goal. We're going to focus on this pretty heavily, and we're going to encourage you to participate uh, in that. So today, as I said, we're going to be talking about evangelism. Evangelism. And, and evangelism is a word that really scares a lot of Christians. Because evangelism is challenging. It's uncomfortable. And at times, it's just really daunting to know how to approach this subject. And a lot of times when you talk about evangelism, you can look at it through the most technical and, and complicated lens. And you might think, well, evangelism has to do with, with how you share it with people or the methods you would use or the, the conversation or the, the scriptures you would say. And, and we make it so complicated to say, well, in order to evangelize, 
This one book told me that I have to build a relationship with the person for at least three months, or it's not going to work. And this, this class said, I have to ask these six questions before I can share the good news of Jesus. And this pastor said, I have to share these three Bible verses in order for it to count. And see, the, the, where I'm getting here is we can make this so complicated that we forget of the most basic definition of evangelism, which is sharing the good news of Jesus. And that can mean a lot of different things depending on who you're talking to and, and your own experience and what they're going through in life and their fears and their doubts and, and their failures and, and whatever it is. It's going to be different for every person. But through this series, I want us to understand evangelism through the most simple lens. Sharing your faith of Christ with others in whatever form and whatever method that might take. But before we get into today's message, I, I really want to lay out this, this portion of the series with three important biblical presuppositions about evangelism. Look at this as kind of like the biblical baseline. Why do we share Jesus with others? I mean, there's really three things I want to detail before we do that. And the first is that because everybody needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way to heaven. Faith in Christ is the only thing that will move you from hell to heaven. Okay, and Jesus himself said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. The book of Acts says that no one will be saved. There is no other name that will bring you to salvation except for that of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is that there is an exclusivity to heaven. There is one way to heaven, and that is through faith in Jesus. And there is no other way. Because there's a broad road that leads to destruction and damnation, and there's a narrow path that leads to salvation and righteousness. And Jesus said that he is the gate to that path. He is the only way to heaven. And that idea is not mine. It's God's. And it's that, that same idea is written out throughout the New Testament a hundred different ways, over a hundred different ways, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. So that's the first idea, the first baseline of evangelism, is we share because we care. Because we love people and we want them to go to heaven and we understand that Jesus is the only way. Now the second foundation, the second baseline of evangelism, is to understand that God's design in all of this is that we, the church, would be the ones sharing the message. Okay, and there's some, uh, there's some examples where, where God would come in, in, in dreams and visions and there's special revelation given to people. But, but the primary way and what, what God has designed is that we would be the ones sharing the good news. And that's, that's for every believer. That we are ambassadors of Christ. We are his representatives to the world. As though God were making his appeal through us. So if you are a believer in Jesus, God has entrusted to you the message of reconciliation or the gospel. And he relies on you to make the most of the opportunities that are given to you. So in your life, as soon as you become a believer, God ordains moments 
that people will come to you and need to know the truth and the good news about Jesus. And it's really up to you to be obedient to that, whether it's proactively or reactively, no matter where you find yourself, God's design and God's will is for every believer to share the gospel. All right? So these are the biblical ideas. Jesus is the only way, and so everyone needs to know about that, and we are the ones to share it. And the third biblical foundation here that's going to take some pressure off of you here is that our job in all of this is simply to share. God's job is to save. Okay, so if you look at evangelism as this way of like, I need to go save all of these people from their sins, you'll fail. Because we can't do that. It really comes to us just being the, the, the uh, one who proclaims the message. And in 1 Corinthians, it talks about some will plant the seeds, some will water or nurture the seed, but God is the only one who can make it grow. So that's where you take some pressure off yourself in evangelism is you are not responsible for the eternal soul of another person, but you are responsible to share the message and God takes care of the rest, right? That's the baseline here. This is the biblical understanding of evangelism. And it's really driven through this love and this care and compassion of the world around us that if you know what it means to have Jesus that you love the world so deeply that you want to share it with them, and you share it with joy. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, I'm not equipped to do this. I don't have the experience. I don't have the training. But today's uh, story is one of the most inexperienced evangelists of all of the Bible and perhaps of all time. This is the story of Philip, not that, Philip. This is a story, spelled the same way. This is a story of the disciple Philip sharing the good news of Jesus with the future disciple, his friend, Nathaniel. And his eagerness to share the message of Jesus not only helped Nathaniel's life and changed the course of his life forever, but also helped to change the course of history as Nathaniel would be one of the original 12 and would go on to... Uh, share Christ with hundreds and thousands of people in his life and, and start the movement of the church, which we are a part of today. So I, I hope as we, as, we get, um, as we study this today that you know that it's not about being prepared and equipped. It's about being willing to share the good news of Jesus. So if you're not there already, let's open up to John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 43 through 51. But let me just pray for us today and, and pray for this message, because I, I, do, I do pray that God speaks to you directly today, and this really settles in your heart in a way that leads towards this change in your life and in others. So let's pray together. So God, as we study this, this topic today, and, and as we will be for the next few weeks, uh, evangelism, something that it can be sometimes cloaked in, in mystery and in, in anxiety and, and confusion, uh, God, it's really a, a pretty simple topic. And uh, God, we, we share the good news of you with others because we love you and we love them. And we desire for everyone else to know you as, as we do, because we understand that you are the only way to heaven. So God, as we study this, I pray that it would be done in a very personal way for all of us, that we could be making these applications in our own life of how we can be a representative of you, an ambassador to this world, and that you would just encourage and inspire us towards action 
and obedience in this area. So God, I pray for all of us as a church that we know we do this together as a team, but for each individual knowing that they are part of that team, God, just just speak to them today through your Holy Spirit and and touch them in a special way. And so we, we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, starting in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There's a few things to really unpack uh, through, through all of this, there's things that helps to have some uh, biblical insight of, of what's being said, because there's a lot being said, but not necessarily being said directly. And so I'm going to hopefully unpack some of those things for you today. But kind of look at today's messages as three steps of evangelism. And the first we see is this, that you just to share what you know about Jesus. When it comes to evangelism, a lot of times people are, are saying, I, I'm going to be asked questions I don't know the answer to. There's so much about the Bible I don't know. There's so much about Jesus I don't know. But the reality is, what you know is enough to share. And in this case, Philip didn't know a whole lot about Jesus personally. And he made the connection that Jesus was the one that we were looking for, but he still didn't know everything about Jesus. And the way the text kind of reads is that this was perhaps just seconds after he came to faith in Jesus, he immediately went and told his friend Nathaniel about him. And the words he used here was that we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote. So he's talking about the law and the prophets. Really, that means the entire Old Testament. This is the one that we've been looking for. Jesus is the Messiah. He's here. He knew that much about Jesus, and he had that faith, and now he's sharing that. But even then, he kind of shares some incomplete details about Jesus, Jesus, and he's looking at him only through the earthly lens, that he grew up in the town of Nazareth, and that he was the son of Joseph. And throughout this account, we see three different titles given to Jesus, the son of Joseph, the son of God, and the son of man. Son of man being the one that really clearly describes who he is. But in this case, Philip said, I know him. He's the carpenter from Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He didn't know everything about Jesus, but he knew enough. And he immediately shared that with his friend, Nathaniel. 
And that's where we often get sometimes is we feel like I'm just not going to share enough. I don't know enough. I don't know all the answers. I haven't gone to seminary. I haven't gone to training. I've only read one book of the Bible. How can I tell people about Jesus if I don't really know him? But the reality is if you have faith in Jesus, you know enough already. And you share what you know. We often make this way too complicated. Because evangelism is not some college lecture. It's, it's not some definitive argument of which there is no retort. It's sharing your experience with Jesus. And that's why I'd encourage all of you, as we talk about this goal for the years, is start writing that down. What did Jesus do in your life? How has Jesus impacted you? What's the difference before Jesus and and after Jesus? What do you know about Jesus right now? Write that down. Start with a blank sheet of paper. And that's the kind of stuff you could be and should be sharing with others. But I will tell you this. If you're waiting to know everything there is to know about Jesus before you start sharing, you'll never share. Because you can intently seek Christ your whole life and you can, you can study him, you can pray, you can experience him, and you'll still, at best, maybe know about 10% of who Jesus really is. A lot of it you'll never know until you see him face to face in eternity. But I want you to know, evangelism, sharing Christ, is for every believer. And you share what you know. Now, one of the advantages... Uh, through the, uh, of getting to know you all, is, is getting to know your hearts, getting to know what, what you love. And, and I had um, one of you reached out to me about five, six months ago. Uh, his name is Charlie, and I'm going to actually invite him up here in a moment. But Charlie sent me a text and was asking me questions about evangelism and kind of sharing about his heart uh, to share Christ with his coworkers. And then it turned into like an hour and a half phone call where we just talked about it, and I could sense his excitement. And, and he's talking about one, one of his coworkers that he was sharing Jesus with, and we just talked about it for a long time. And I said, Charlie, someday I'm going to have you come up and talk to the congregation about your, um, your desire to share Christ with your coworkers. And that day is today. So I'm going to have Charlie Beaner come, come on up here, and we're going to hear from him a little bit and uh, just hear about his passion to share, share Christ with individuals. I'll give you this one right here. Now, Charlie told me that his primary spiritual gift is public, public speaking. No, I'm just kidding. So, no, but Charlie, tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell us about your family and a bit of who you are. Yep, so I'm, uh, I'm Charlie Beaner, and uh, I'm a diesel mechanic by trade. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Carly, who sits six rows on the left side, so everyone can go and look at her. Uh, we have three kids, uh, Adeline, Emmett, and Jeremiah, and you've probably seen Adeline and Emmett running around the church very often. Great. And you just, your newest Jeremiah was just born how many weeks ago now? Six. Six, yeah. Six. Yeah. I didn't need help. Yeah. I know you're supposed to do weeks until they turn like three years old, but That's right. uh, yeah, yeah. Well, tell us a bit more about your passion to share Jesus with your coworkers. Yeah, so I became a saved Christian when I was in seventh grade. Um, I was very fortunate to have two parents who raised me in the faith. Uh, they were 
my dad was raised Catholic and my mom was Lutheran, and then eventually they made their way to true Christianity. And so as far as I remember, that's all I know is what it's like to be a, a saved Christian. So I got baptized in seventh grade, and I've been uh, basically sharing ever since. In middle school, I went to a conference called Dare to Share uh, that was held at Grace Church in Eden Prairie, and I did that twice, two years in a row. And that's where I learned how to share the gospel with others in a very easy-to-remember way, which I'll be sharing with everyone later. Um, but yeah, so I share a lot. Uh, my main area that I share right now is at work, because at work there is, you know, I'm a, I'm a mechanic, so there's a lot of darkness there. There's a lot of pride there. Um, and one thing I would describe for all of my coworkers is that most of them are lost. And so it's really easy for me to share with them just because I'm unashamed of who I am and I'm unashamed of being a Christian. And so when you have a, a group of guys who are so far away from who I am, you know, they can't help but to ask me why I believe what I believe. And, you know, it just starts conversations pretty easily that way. So well, I'm sure that you have moments where you feel uh, kind of reluctant to share or maybe have some, you know, fears of that. So what, what do you kind of do to overcome those fears and what advice would you give to the congregation in that moment? Yeah, I get, you know, I get scared to share a lot. Um, there's a lot of times where it's actually really easy. A lot of times where it's fun and enjoyable when you can tell that the other person is listening and that they're receiving it and they're being inquisitive about it. But then there's a lot of times where it's really scary. Uh, today is a great example because I'm up here now. So when he says that he's not going to invite you on stage, there's a really good chance he's going to invite you on stage. Um, but no, I, I have a lot of instances where I'm talking with somebody at work or even outside of work, just anybody really. And, you know, it's all circumstantial, but there's a lot of times when I'm having this like inner war inside of my head where I know that I'm here to do this and I know that this is what's happening and the door is clearly open and you can tell, you know, you get that feeling in your heart that, okay, this is, this is it. But then while I'm thinking all that stuff, nothing is happening and my lips aren't moving. So usually I'll just sit there and I'll, in the awkwardness and the silence, I'll sit there and I'll pray in my head and I'll just ask God that he, you know, helps me, that he gives me the words to say if this is really what he wants, that he'll you know, help me in this scenario and, you know, help me find the courage to actually start talking. And that's the hardest part is starting to talk. And once you guys start to have that dialogue and that conversation, it gets way easier from there. So do you have any um, kind of encouraging stories of, of when you shared your faith and things that can kind of inspire us today? Or? I have a lot of encouraging stories, but I don't have five hours to sit up here. <laughs> I have about 10 minutes. Um, but one of them specifically is my one of my most recent coworkers who just started there. His name is Jet, and Jet was going to try and be here today with his girlfriend and his two kids, but uh, he couldn't make it. So um, Jet is a guy. He is a couple years younger than me. He moved here from uh, Nevada, or I think it was Nevada, a couple years or uh, just this last summer, and so. He's, I think, 21 years old. He's got a girlfriend, two kids, and he was not raised very well. He's got, I don't know how many brothers and sisters, but his parents did not really care for them at all. Um, he had to drop out of school before high school to help raise his brother. 
He ended up having two kids pretty young. Uh, he had a very life-threatening injury this last April um, where he was shot in the chest accidentally by one of his sister's boyfriends. And had it been an inch to the right or left, he probably wouldn't be here today. And so when he started at Republic, he had zero experience. Um, he, he knew nothing about trucks, nothing about engines, nothing about garbage trucks, which are arguably one of the more complicated trucks out there in the industry to work on. And so I had a really cool opportunity to not only show him all of that stuff and train him and, you know, from everything from this is a U-joint to this is, you know, how an engine runs. So I, I found out that he really didn't have much guidance in his life and he needed that. And so one day we were out there and he was learning how to drive the trucks because you can't work on them unless you get them in the shop. And one of the benefits of working on big trucks that have air brakes is that it takes some time for that truck to air up. And you can't move the truck until there's air in the system to release the brakes. So I knew this, and I had him sitting there while the truck is airing up, and then that's the time when I asked him if, you know, I, I knew that he had a life-threatening injury, so I asked him, do you believe in anything after this? Do you, do you know where you're going to go after this? Like, you know, you almost, you almost lost it. And so what, what happens after this? And he didn't really have an answer to that. And so that was the first time in about six or seven times that I shared the gospel with him in like six or seven different ways. And then excitingly enough, uh, he actually met with me and Pastor Dominic at a Panera uh, late last year. And that's where he, he prayed with Pastor Dominic and he put his life for Christ. And so we're really hoping that he'll come with us to church one of these times and help see him grow that way. Uh, but that was really exciting to see. Yeah. That was exciting to be a part of that, too, and I was blessed to kind of be asked to come and meet. And, and, uh, but, yeah, it's just amazing to see that moment where it could be months or years or even just like a few minutes, but when somebody finally submits to Christ and, and gives their life over to him, it's, it's an amazing and a miraculous moment. So that's, that's always the goal is that we, we end up there. But, but as you said before, that really is God's job to save the person. We simply share. So as we look at, why don't you put up that um, goal on the, on the screen again, the big daunting goal. And what I want to uh, highlight here are the words each individual. This goal is only going to happen if, if all of you individually commit to this and, and find that way to kind of to, to go and you know, breach your fears or, or whatever it might be to do that. So you as one who have done this for a while in your life, what advice would you give to the congregation to help us reach this goal? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is that it gets easier after you start doing it. Um, once you're talking with them and having a dialogue, it really is a lot easier because you're building that relationship with them. And once you have that relationship, you can kind of you know, feel out the situation and decide which route you need to take with them. Um, the other thing I would say is you don't need to know everything about everything. Like I said, I'm a diesel mechanic, so my knowledge is pretty much that one field. Um, I did not go to seminary. I do not have any prior knowledge other than the fact that I was raised a Christian, and I'm very fortunate for that. I do um, personally struggle with reading my Bible, and that is a very key part of witnessing to people. But I do listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of uh, other sermons, and that does help. And when you listen to other people witnessing to your evangelizing to people, it kind of helps you figure out different techniques and dialogues that you can have with those people 
and it does make it a lot easier to do it. You do not need to know everything about everything, but all you need to know is what the gospel is. And if you're a saved Christian, you do know what the gospel is. Otherwise, you're not a saved Christian. So if you know the gospel, then you can present that to literally anybody. Then I actually have it written out if we could turn on that slide. This is what I learned at Dare to Share when I was in middle school. And I don't go by this when I witness anymore because I have a lot of other strategies and techniques that seem to work really well for me. But if you struggle with remembering what the gospel is for everyone, uh, it, it's very simple. It's laid out per letter. So the G is God created us to be with him. Uh, it's very simple. In Genesis, God created us to be with him. He didn't create us because he needed us. He created us because he wanted to have a relationship with us for us to praise and worship him. Um, and then on the flip side, we get to have a relationship with God. So God created us to be with him. That's how everything starts. Um, then our sins separate us from God. So, you know, the fall of man and the free will that we had, we took advantage of that and we fell away from God. And I think that everybody can see nowadays how bad that is. Uh, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. This one's more of a, a critical aspect of the gospel here. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people have this misconception about what it means to be a Christian. It just means to be a good person. And that's just simply not true. I mean, yes, you, you are to be a good person, but that's not how you earn your salvation or get to heaven. You know, it's, it's not because you, you walk somebody across the street or help somebody load groceries into the car that you're going to make it to heaven. That's not how that works. And so if people don't understand that sins cannot be removed by good deeds, then they're not going to understand the gospel. You know, you have to, you have to tell them that your sins are only removed by what Jesus did on the cross for you. And if you're not going to understand that, then the gospel is meaningless. If you don't understand that Jesus died for you and rose again, and that he conquered death on your behalf, then Christianity is nothing without that. The next one is paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again, uh, which I just briefly touched on. That is, uh, that is the very epitome of Christianity. That's how you are saved. That's how you have that eternal um, that eternal bond with God is that if you, you come to that realization that Jesus died for you and that you are a wretched individual that needs a savior, uh, that's, that's where the gospel really stems from. The ease for everyone who puts their trust in Jesus and repents will have eternal life. And that's kind of where you come in and you, you make that willingly decision, uh, the change of heart to know God and to accept him as your Lord and savior. You know, and that comes with, uh, with your works. And again, works is not based on how you get to heaven. Works is what happens when you are a fruitful Christian. And then the, uh, the L is for life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And this is another crucial part when you're witnessing to somebody because a lot of people think that there's a lot of ropes that they have to jump through to become a saved Christian. That's not the case. You could have a conversation with somebody, and in 10 minutes, if they have that change of heart, then they can be a saved Christian right then and there. They don't need to wait until they're baptized or wait until they, you know, become a member at a church. They don't need to wait for, you know, communion or anything like that. They can become a Christian within 10 minutes of a conversation. That's the part that's so powerful about witnessing to people is because it doesn't take more than just a 10-minute conversation. Now, obviously, if you start that and you, you know, your, your goal is to have a relationship with this person, too, to help them walk through this because, when you become born again, you start as uh, an infant in your faith, and they need that kind of encouragement and to be lifted up. Um, but it does not take a, a bunch of hoops to jump through to become a saved Christian.
Awesome. Yeah. And it really is that simple, right? We we complicate it a bit, but yeah, like like you, you know, what what you do you do is you meet people where they're at, and like your friend Jet, who has had a really difficult life and some close calls, you kind of met him in that moment, and you're both proactive and reactive to where he's at. But it all comes down to this right here: the the good news, the gospel of that we have no way out of our sin that God provided a way. And that we have, uh, through faith in him, we can, we can be saved. But, well, Charlie, thank you for coming up and sharing. Uh, I, I love um, these kinds of moments, but I do want to tell you, if you share things with me, I'm not going to force you up into this kind of thing here. <laughs> I may invite you to do it, but I'm really glad that you took me up on, on my invitation to come up here. And uh, you are a good public speaker. So, yeah. But thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it. We're going to kind of come back into um, the message here and, and just, you know, this, the, the really build off the first point of like anyone can share Jesus and you share what you know. And, and Charlie has made those steps to kind of be more prepared and, and to have some sort of strategies. But wherever you're at, just know you can be like Philip and, and just immediately share with others with joy that you have found Jesus. But as we go back in that text, we see an interesting uh, response from Nathaniel. And this, this, this kind of response of cynicism or reluctance. And, and that's the second point today is that when you share the gospel with others, expect some kind of reluctancy from them, some kind of resistance, because typically that's how it goes. And the response that Nathaniel says is, is really focusing on Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. What, what good can come from Nazareth? And to understand this, there could be a couple of things at play here. One of them could just be some sort of prejudice. And Bethsaida, where Nathaniel was from, was kind of like the neighboring town to Nazareth. And it could have been like this town rivalry thing, or maybe Nazareth had some sort of reputation of, of the people there. And it's kind of like us in Orno School District going, Delano, Mound, Who's, who comes from Mound that's good? So that could be what's going on here. There's some sort of prejudice that he has towards people from from Nazareth, and that's become some sort of roadblock for him. The other that I think is probably more likely, which is really interesting to note, is that this is revealing that Nathaniel knew the Bible really well, that he was astute in the scriptures, and he would have known that in all of the messianic prophecy, in fact, all prophecy of any kind, there's never a mention of anyone from Nazareth. And so he's got this kind of cookie-cutter mold of who he believes the Messiah is going to be. And he says, this doesn't fit what I'm kind of looking for. Now, we know that Jesus wasn't born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, which fulfilled many prophecies for the Messiah. And then later in life, he was raised in Nazareth. But he has this roadblock towards the good news that Philip shared with him. And when you share Christ with others, you should expect something along the same lines. There's many roadblocks that, that you're going to encounter. And sometimes it's going to be things like, why would I be a Christian when Christians have been so terrible to me? Right? The roadblock can sometimes be us. Christians are, are hypocrites. I grew up in the church and there's many hurts that I have or I don't, see, I don't see Jesus at work in these Christians. Or it could be these misconceptions that they have of, of faith and science aren't compatible. And, 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 and faith is like this illogical thing. It's like a fairy tale, a myth that people 
live with, or the Bible is just full of errors. You're going to hear things like, you know, theological tension of like, I believe in the idea of God, but I struggle with the fact that a good God will allow bad things to happen to good people. Or that in my life I've had so much suffering, I don't know how that God would allow this for me, but there's infinite amounts of roadblocks or resistance or reluctancy that you can get from others when you share Christ, and you should expect it. And the, and the great thing here is that you can kind of walk through that with people. And evangelism isn't some hit-and-run activity where you share the good news, and then if they don't accept it, you just jump ship to the next place, and you, you try that person. It's like you walk through these things with people, and you be patient with them. And one of the best things you can do when you get to one of these roadblocks is say, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer your question, but I want to walk through this with you and find an answer. But this right here, the reluctancy and the resistance, is the number one reason people don't share Jesus with others. Because they think when they get an answer like this, it means they've failed. They view this as failure. But failure in evangelism is failing to share altogether. Expect some hard things. And you're going to start saying, well, what if, what if they uh, reject me? What if they think I'm weird? I'm going to rip the band-aid off here. You probably are. <laughs> and, and just the belief in the gospel itself is, is weird to people. And, and the Bible says that, that we're going to appear as fools to the world because we believe in the gospel. Right? And it could be this, this like, well, if I share it, you know, what if they get offended? They probably will. Because the gospel at its core is kind of an offensive message. Because it's saying, there's something wrong with you. And you can't help yourself. And only God can help you. And that's an offensive message to a lot of people. But in that, when you stick with them through the reluctancy and through the resistance, and you walk this journey with them, you can point them to a real and authentic relationship and experience with Christ. And that's what we see as we wrap up here in this message, is that Philip didn't try to answer his question. He didn't get into some theological debate and, and to say, I'm going to win my friend Nathaniel over. He just simply said, come and see. Go, go and check him out yourself. And the way this is working here is that Jesus was probably just a few steps away, that, that Philip experienced Christ he put his faith in him. He walked over to his friend Nathaniel. They had this interaction, and he said, I don't know. Go and talk to the man yourself. Go to Jesus. And that's what we have the opportunity to do with this, is, is ultimately we're not here to win arguments. We're not here to kind of have some sort of power and control over people. We're just simply opening up the door, and we're inviting them to experience Jesus. And that's what happens here is that Nathaniel takes the few steps over. And when, as he was approaching, Jesus makes it very clear he knows who Nathaniel is. And he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, this is another thing. We don't know for sure everything that's going on here, but this would have struck a chord with Nathaniel. There's likely something he was really struggling through in life. And this response from Jesus, before Nathaniel even opens up his mouth or makes it all the way to him, really touches him. And so he says back to Jesus, how do you know me? 
And that's an interesting part when people finally go to Jesus and they have this personal encounter and experience. They, they come to find out that Jesus really knows them. You know, and that, that, that Jesus understands their pain. He understands their doubts. He, he understands every part of them. And that he hears them. He, that's where Jesus says here, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, this is going to kind of miss a lot of us of what this really means here. And this could mean a couple of things. It could mean literally, I saw you sitting under that fig tree over there, which doesn't seem very impressive because anyone with like eyeballs can do that. But this is really, in this time, to be under the fig tree is kind of an, ex- uh, an expression of speech. Kind of like if we say, like, you flew under the radar. It doesn't mean you literally flew under the radar in a fighter jet, right? It means that you were, you were kind of undetected. This is one of those things, to be under the fig tree was an expression of speech to mean that you were praying and seeking God. All right, and so in this time, a uh, devout Jew would, would find their daily time to pray, and when the hot sun was out, they would sit in the shade of the fig tree, and they'd read their Bible, and they'd pray, and they'd seek God. So what Jesus was saying is, as you were seeking the Messiah, as you were longing for God, or as you were wrestling through whatever you are wrestling through, I saw you, and I heard you, and I know who you are. And this wasn't missed on Nathaniel. Immediately upon hearing this, he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And after he had this encounter with Jesus, there was this really authentic moment of faith of, you are who I've been looking for. You are who you say you are. And I believe in you for all things. This is where we see it kind of progress here. Jesus was introduced as the son of Joseph, which is his earthly term. And then he was referred to as the son of God, which really explains his divinity, his deity, that Jesus is God. But the response of Jesus in in verse 50 and 51 is interesting because he kind of says, Nathaniel, like you're super impressed by this, but you haven't seen anything yet. He talks about him being the one that like, heaven would open and the angels are ascending and descending. This is giving a reference to Jacob's ladder in Genesis. But Jesus is saying, I will be the one that is the bridge between heaven and earth. And then he calls himself the son of man, which is this title that really emphasizes both his deity and his humanity. That he comes with all authority but also that he's going to come in all humanity and he's going to suffer much and he's going to be a sacrifice. He's explaining in this that he will be the way to heaven and that he will be the only way to heaven. But all of this happened because Philip wasn't intent on winning an argument. He wanted to win his friend for Christ and the only way we can do that is to point them to Jesus. And what do we take away from today? Well, I think first is that we have to know that there's a great importance in sharing your faith. Because not only is it going to make a small difference in one person's life, but it can make an eternal difference for many people's lives. There's an exponential payoff to this. So Philip shared with his friend Nathaniel, who became one of the 12 disciples of Christ, who became an apostle of Christ, and became integral in, in, in saving hundreds and thousands in his time, and hundreds of thousands and millions after his time through the church as he became an apostle. 
You never know the difference you're going to make when you share the Jesus when you share Jesus with one person. What we also understand is that if you have faith in Jesus today, if you understand what God has done for you and you place your faith in him, then you have enough to share. Just share that. Share what you know. And the third is to take advantage of those opportunities to point the people around you to Christ. They're going to come, and they're going to come frequently. Be obedient to them and share the good news of Jesus with those around you. This is a step of joy for every believer. You know, as we close, I, I kind of made one big presumption today that is worth kind of mentioning. I'm, I'm presuming that all of you have placed your faith in Jesus and that you're walking in, in the newness of life with him. But there's a good chance that some of you haven't. And that's why I want to give you the personal option, the personal invitation today to place your faith in him. Now, I believe that everybody's looking for something in this life. Everybody's searching and, and desiring for something in this life. And do you know what the very first words of Jesus are in the book of John? If you just go a few verses up from here. What do you want? And that's not like in, in like a defensive way, but he's asking very honestly to Andrew and, and to John, what do you want in life? What do you desire? And if you don't have Jesus in your life, I'm going to just go ahead and assume that you are not content with what you have right now. Maybe you want just a little bit more money. Maybe you want just a, a little bit bigger house. Maybe you just want one more kid or one more friend or, or one more rung up the ladder at work. And you think, if I get that, I'll have enough. What everybody wants is security. They want to feel loved and accepted. They want to make a difference in this life. And I can tell you that in whatever you want, you'll never be fulfilled unless you have Jesus. Because the reality is, if you're not content now in what you have, you won't be content then in what you think you need. Everybody needs Jesus. And he's the only way to a fulfilled life and a cup overflowing. And it starts with just understanding who you are, honestly, who you are. Right? And there, there's a lot of very good people in this room. But your confidence is not in how much good you can do. Because faith in, your, faith in that is really just faith in yourself. It's this understanding that everybody has sinned. All of us. All of us have sinned. And as the moment you sin, you fall short of God's glory. And there's this, this chasm, this gap that you can't fill yourself in any way. So it's learning to understand who Jesus is and what he did. That Jesus came to be your savior. He came in great love for you. He loved you so much that he died for you. And on the cross, he paid the full penalty of your sin. It's done. It's over. God has set you free through his sacrifice. And all it takes is just faith and believing that. It seems too simple, too good to be true, but that's really all it is. Faith in Jesus. It ends with living in faith and trusting in him and submitting to him. And as you live in faith in him, he lives in you, both now and forever. It's all faith in Jesus. 
knowing who you are before him, but understanding and believing who he is and what he's done. So let's close today. I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you're here this morning, if you're listening online, both now and in the future, to take this moment to really place your faith in God. So let's, let's pray as we close today. So Lord, we thank you for what you've done. And uh, God, the, the, the topic today of, of sharing with others uh, what you've done in our lives is something that should be um, so joyful and automatic. And yet we have fear and, and we have uh, this feeling of shortcoming. But God, you have equipped us. And you've given us all we need to do this. I I pray for those who have placed their faith in you, that they would feel encouraged, they would feel inspired to share with the world because the world needs you. And they're not going to hear this anywhere else except from us. So God, I pray that you would just give us that, just that desire and that burden to share who you are. But I do pray for anyone here today or anyone listening now and in the future who's really at that spot where they don't know if they know you. Or maybe they've consciously decided that they don't want to know you or believe in you. God, I pray if they're at that point, that they feel compelled and convicted by your Holy Spirit to to come to a place of repentance of their sin, that they would just simply say, God, I am a sinner and I need help. And I believe that you came, that your son came to die on the cross for me to pay completely the penalty for my sins. And I can live free through faith in you. And that I trust you, I love you, and I want to follow you the rest of my life. And God, in whatever words and whatever form that that sentiment comes, we know that that we can be saved simply by believing that you were raised from their dead and confessing with our mouths that, that you are, in fact, Lord, you are God. And God, when anyone makes that commitment, it is a miracle on heaven and on earth that they can be set free and made in a new creation. So God, we celebrate with that. We rejoice with that. But God, for all of us, no matter where we are, if we've been Christian for a few seconds or we've been Christians for a few decades, that we would have this joy and this burden to share, to share with the world your great news as we see the world transformed through your power. And so God, we just pray this all in your name.